Hello and welcome to The View from the Ninian. I'm Scott Salter and today we're going to be previewing Cardiff City against Manchester United. Like Neil Warnock's training plans this week, our plans went out of the window when Manchester United announced today, which is Tuesday, that Jose Mourinho would be sacked as manager. That meant it was hard to concentrate on on-the-field matters. So many unknowns and so many questions ahead of the weekend's game. We tried our best though. Joining me to get the Cardiff City perspective was Barry Murphy. And I also got the Manchester United perspective from the Red Bearded Red, or Andrew Southwick's you and I. It's a good one. But first up, here's Barry Murphy. Mr Barry Murphy, hello. Hiya Scott, how are you? Yeah, very well, thanks mate. How about you? Not too bad, thanks. Not too bad. Good, good. Thanks for joining us today. Um, obviously, we're uh, coming into today's podcast. It's Tuesday. We've we've come off the back of uh, another away defeat. Um, so I want to talk quickly about that Watford game. Um, 3-2, a late comeback from the Bluebirds. But really, those two late goals, they, they glossed over a pretty poor performance, didn't they? Yeah, I mean, I, I did watch the game... Um... On a link, uh, we were poor, probably the worst we played all season, according to reports. And from what I seen, it was it wasn't the best. It seemed to sum up our our away games all season, you know, where we've we seem to invite pressure, uh, try and contain teams, and then try and break late on. But the away games I've been to, the ones I've seen, it's not really working. You know, we need to try and just maybe be a bit more attacking from the start, which is. Uh, yeah, and it's, it's an interesting um, point because obviously at home we've really, uh, although you know we, we've still played our direct and sort of physical and aggressive football, we've we've taken the game to to teams, haven't we? But we've just not seen that away from home. And like I said, we've been inviting teams on, and I'm not sure we've necessarily got the players to be able to play on that quick uh, counter-attacking system against these sort of top quality teams. Yeah, I agree. I mean, you look at the Southampton game last Saturday, uh, Mendes, Lang and Murphy both attacked the uh, attacked the Saints from early on, from the first minute. And it was yeah. good to see, you know, he sort of put a foot in it straight away. But I look back at games like Everton away and we fielded quite a defensive lineup, which makes you think he's obviously looking to sort of contain the opposition. Um he doesn't pick the players away from home to attack attack um, the opposition sometimes. So I thought by now he would have sort of changed the system away from home, but he seems to be sort of sticking with the moment. Um, you know, the next two away games, I think, is Palace and Leicester. Mm-hmm. You know, that's team you should be attacking really. So it'll be interesting to see if he if he sticks with the same sort of setup in those two games as well. Yeah, and, and I. Every sort of Monday, release the the view from the Indian analysis, and at this week's one looking at the Watford game. I kind of argue similar to what you said there about the system. And I mean, I'm no expert, and I'm not I'm not questioning Neil Warnock, but it almost feels like if we want to be uh, almost shutting up shop and and defending deep against teams, we kind of need to change our system to reflect that, and perhaps play in a, a back five and um, the three midfielders still, and maybe Josh Murphy centrally with Patterson would give us more of an outlet to, to be able to counter-attack and have that pace centrally, but also have yeah. the, the numbers in defence to absorb that pressure. But we're just not seeing that. And, you know, we like to man-mark, um, which works on a lot of occasions. But on Saturday, I think Watford were have got some good players and are clearly quite an intelligent team. And 
their movement just just pulled out players all over position. And I think the the first goal, the Delafeu one, you know, Manga was pulled in. Morrison didn't know where to go and close down Delafeu or go with Dini and those runners, and it was just too much to handle, really. Yeah, another issue for me is we're trying to play to contain against the Premiership opposition. We're not, we're not, we're not in the Championship. We're in the Premiership. We will, we will get punished almost every opportunity. Um, we get, we give Watford two chances from the edge of the box. They, they put them both in. Jermaine's luckily Etheridge was on top form. He saved, you know, a bit of a thrashing. But we're playing playing to contain top class players. You know, we're not going to places like Barnsley and Sheffield Wednesday and. Middlesbrough. We're going to places like Everton, Watford, who are established Premiership teams, and hoping to catch them on the break. It's it's not going to work. No. Um, these teams only need a sniff of a chance. You know, even the home games. Look at Burnley home. We didn't take our chances. We gave them one sniff of a chance, and we lost. So that's the big difference this year. Yeah, and you mentioned um, Etheridge was outstanding against Watford and. I think without him and some of the key saves he made, it, it probably would have been sort of five or six. And also, we're losing him in January for the month for the for the Asian Cup. Um, it's a scary sort of prospect, that isn't it? Because I mean, we don't know how Smithies is going to perform. We've only seen him once this season. That was against Norwich in the Cup, and I mean, no one particularly uh, no. boosted their reputation in that game. So it's going to be an interesting month, January, and we'll definitely miss Etheridge. Yeah, I mean. So it's a good point last week. Nobody's really mentioned Etheridge for any of the goals this season. Um, there hasn't been one time where the other team have scored and we thought, oh, he, he could have done better there. Yeah. He's played well every game. He's looked safe every game. Like my concern with him last year was he's a good shot stopper. Um, he's improved his kicking. But for me, coming off his line, he wasn't too great. He's improved his all round game this year for me. Yeah. Um, and does that surprise you, do you think? Um, a little bit, yeah. But I mean, some players just make the step up, and they just become, you know, accustomed to it. And he's just seemed to have. You no, know, I thought he lacked a bit of confidence last year, but I also think some of the defenders lacked confidence in him. But yeah. this season, he's he's added a bit of. You know, he's more vocal, and particularly like on um, on Saturday, he made several one-on-one saves, which was good to see as well. So, I've got no concerns with him, but but it will be a concern, like you said. I agree with what you said. For January, Smith is going, going to come in cold, like all reserve goalkeepers do. Um, I know he played for the um, the reserves, uh, I think Monday or Tuesday, and he had a clean sheet. But you know, I was against Colchester, so it was a massive test for Smithies. And the last thing we want is for the back five to be sort of, you know, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, not broken up, but dis- disturbed by a new keeper yeah. coming in, which upset the uh, how settled they've been because the back five. I've looked particularly settled, particularly in home games, you know, so that is going to be a concern going into January. It will be, yeah. Turning our attention to, um, well, before we turn our attention to Saturday's game, I just want to talk about um, Carlos at home this year. Obviously, we've uh, three home wins on the bounce and, you know, the majority of the games, obviously, bar Manchester City, we've we've, we've impressed generally, you know, we've, we've taken the, the game to, to teams and we've, we've created chances First of all, how impressed have you been by our home form so far? And I also want to talk about the the fans and what you made of of the fans this year and how good how good we as fans have been. Yeah, I mean the form we're getting better every game. I think it's a bit, we were coming used to the division. You know, it was obviously a massive step from the championship to the premiership. We're playing world class players every week. Um, 
started off, you know, I think it was Newcastle just finding our feet. Yeah. I thought we'd done well against Arsenal. Um, yeah, we did. It's, it's just a classic Premiership game. You give the opposition a chance, they're going to score goals. You know, you can't give them, you can't give them an inch. Um, the Burnley game, a uh, Burnley game, classic sucker punch. I think we had 16 shots on goal. They had two. They beat us. Um, but then obviously, you know, Fulham, Brighton, Southampton, we're looking more comfortable. And we're also looking... Winning by the odd goal, but we don't like. We're struggling towards the end. We're actually looking comfortable in in a, in uh, with a lead, like Southampton last week. I didn't feel threatened. No, I mean there was games last year in the championship. We were, we had a one goal lead. I felt quite nervous towards the end. Are we going to concede? But they, we actually added a bit of stability to the back. The back five looked really safe the last few games. Um, I know Brighton was a an injury time winner, but we deserved it. You know, we're actually starting to boss games and. Um, out fight games and like you said the fans have played a massive part um, you know, 30,000 plus every game I think Warnock's mentioned it all the players mentioned it in their you know, social media posts um, the atmosphere not just when we're winning when we're losing the fans are sticking behind the team and it's great It's great to see and great to hear Yeah and like you say it must have a positive impact on, on the players on the pitch and, and give them a boost um, Saturday obviously the visit in Manchester United you know that's one of the games that when the when the fixture lists are released, you know everyone looks towards the big teams and when they'll be visiting. Um, obviously, today the news broke that Manchester United have, have sacked Jose Mourinho, so it's it's quite yeah. a difficult one to uh, to sort of look forward to, isn't it? I mean, if if we were going into the game with Mourinho as manager, I'd be quietly confident that we'd pick up three points, and and that's test, yeah, I, testament to to how Cardiff been doing, but also. Um, Worrying for a Man- for Manchester United fans of how poor they've been. Yeah, I, I feel the same as you. I, th- I was looking forward to play against Mourinho because it looked like he, either the players weren't playing for him, he'd lost the dressing room, or just the tactics wasn't working. Um, they seem to lack a bit of fight, a bit of heart, a bit of bottle. Um, mm-hmm. Now the concern is now Mourinho's gone. The shackles have gone. Of the no, the Mourinho shackles have gone. Are they going to play a bit, bit more freedom? a bit more attacking um, side of their game and players like Pogba Martial a bit more freedom for those guys it could go either way it's either going to be a case of it is the players which means you know um, we could still pick up points on Saturday or without Mourinho less pressure for the players they're going to step up a bit more freedom for them it's interesting to see who they bring in as the, the caretaker manager I've seen like Saul Scott mentioned I've seen Laurent Blanc mentioned how much influence can they have within a few days is minimal. Yeah. A bit like the manager. But still, there'll be some effect and the players will have a point to prove. So it's going to be it's going to be interesting what team lines up against us and what sort of performance they actually prone against us. Yeah, I mean, like you said, the worry is that the shackles will be off and the likes of Pogba will think, right, it's, you know, I want to prove everyone that, that I am a good player, that I'm, you know, worthy of that at the time world record fee and that Mourinho managed me poorly and you know yeah. he has he and so many of his teammates have the ability to if we're honest tear Cardiff apart if they're on their all on their top form and that's the worry I suppose but I suppose in, in the Manchester City game early in the season I felt we kind of showed them a bit too much respect um, yeah but they're almost they're almost untouchable Man City aren't they but they are, we yeah. did it was like the cup game last year we 
we didn't want to didn't want to go near them. We, we were scared of pressure in case we got caught and opened up. But like I said, as we've got on this season, we we seem to have got more used to the Premier League and we sort of put our foot in the ball more and out fighting teams. But Saturday is a different kettle of fish because you know what sort of team are going to turn off Man United and what sort of mindset are they going to be in? It's going to be interesting to see. Yeah, and you mentioned uh, some of the names linked there, and Lauren Blanc and Michael Carrick. Um, put one of them that certainly sort of picked the interest of Cardiff fans. Like I said, is Oli Gunnar Solskjaer, and I mean, I was I was shocked when I read that he he was a serious contender. Um, he was obviously pretty poor. We can say as, as Cardiff City manager, obviously relegated us last time. In his defence, it was a difficult uh, circumstance to come in. and it, He wasn't the right manager. It wasn't the right club for him. But are you surprised that he's he's linked to that job, even on a temporary basis? I think it's purely... If they, if he was appointed caretaker, it's purely to keep the fans on side. Um, I mean, as you mentioned, are they going to bring somebody in who the, 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 uh, the press would like, somebody who knows the manual way of playing, um, the manual spirit... So it's going to be somebody like Solskjaer, like a Roy Keane. Um, Solskjaer, for me, he was out of his depth when he came to us. He was bringing in all sorts of random players. Yeah, there was a low budget for him. Um, and he wouldn't bring the same sort of players in to United that he did to Cardiff. Um, it was just bad timing when he came to Cardiff, I think. Um, obviously, the the Malgi situation. He had a very limited budget. Um I just thought some of his selections were bizarre. He just liked rotating the squad. Um, yeah, I felt like he never found his, his his best team, did he? Just always searching for that mm. good formula. Like my, my, one, my one memory was we, we drew with Villa away, a clean sheet away from home. The next home game, we changed three of the back four. And for me, that just summed up everything about his, his reign in charge. He just didn't know his best lineup, and he almost picked a different team to suit the opposition every match, and it just did not work, and... I, when he first came, I think it would be Newcastle in the captain's first game. I thought, no, oh, it's looking good here. But then it just sort of, it soon hit us how, uh, how bad things are going to be under him, unfortunately. Yeah, I mean, on, on Saturday, um, regardless of, of of who's in charge of Man United, the game is probably going to be won and lost in the centre midfield, isn't it? As so many uh, games are at this level. Victor Camaressa, yeah. Aaron Gunnison, Harry Arter seem to be our um, our favourite sort of centre midfield three at the moment. And I I don't know about you, but I feel they could really get to United. And you know, a couple of crunching tackles from Gunnison and Arter could really could really rattle the likes of Pogba and um, Fellaini and players like that. And I think that if we're going to have it success, it's in those those areas that we'll have it. Definitely. I mean, um, like Harry Arter. I love the guy. You know, he's box to box. He's a little terrier. He's a warrior. He's a perfect Cardiff um, player, isn't he? Yeah, he's the closest thing we've had to sort of. I wouldn't say Graham Kavanagh because Graham Kavanagh is one of a kind. But he's the box to box midfielder we've lacked. You know, since Kavanagh went. Yeah. And he's a type of player fans cannot dislike. You know, other fans wouldn't like him, but he's he's one of ours, so we love him. Do you mean? I mean, Camarasa. Uh, I said from the start of the season he was wasted out wide because. He, I knew he could offer so much behind the striker or in the middle of the park because yeah. he didn't didn't have the pace to play out wide. But he had all the tricks and the creativity, which I must say, like Joe Rawls, he needed a break. And I'm glad to see that Camarasa is uh, 
he's played inside. He looked really good against Southampton last week, Cameron. So I thought he created quite a bit, and uh, including the goal. He did, yeah. Arthur and Gunnarsson have been brilliant so far this season, in my opinion. But they're not the type of players that are going to either run at a defence or, or you know, pick apart a team with with a pass or a bit of trickery. But Camrasser is, and he's one of the only players in the squad that that has that that ability. Definitely. I mean, you know, Gunnarsson and Arthur are more like Warnock kind of players, but you do need at this level. Um, especially the fact we have got a natural striker. You need somebody who can create things because, you know, as much as I love Callum Patterson, he doesn't make the natural striker runs that a striker would make, you know, running the channels and off the shoulder of the, of the centre-half. So yeah. you need somebody with creativity in behind him um, to open things up. Because if you had like a, you know, a Jermaine Defoe type who'd make those runs automatically, it's easier for the midfielder. Because Patterson doesn't always make the runs a striker would make, you need somebody like Camaras who's got that... Uh, Attacking now, about him to open teams up. Yeah, I mean, one player that that potentially had that ability but has never shown it in a Cardiff shirt and was left out of the the Premier League squad is, is Lee Tomlin. And news broke tonight that he's uh, leaving the club in January to return to his former club Peterborough um, on loan for the rest of the season. Oh, I mean, did, did, was that the first you've heard of that? Yeah, I haven't been on. Uh... On Twitter much today, yeah. so I haven't seen any news. But I, it's, it's no surprise because, you know, the fact he wasn't named in the 25-man squad, there's obviously issues there. Um, when he signed last year, I was I was, I was excited because he's a player I've always liked. He's one of those you never liked him as an opposition player because he was, you know, attitudes and a bit of a swagger. Yeah. But as soon as we signed him, I thought he could make a real difference. He reminded and, you know, me in a way to um, nowhere near as good because I think... Uh... Jason Kumas is one of the best players Carlos have ever had, but a similar type of yeah, style, a bit of a swagger, a bit of the know, Maverick type. Yeah, yeah, Maverick type. We thought this guy could really unlock the doors this season, well, back last season, and it just never happened. I mean, there was things about you know his attitude and training, his his fitness, his weight issues off the field. You know, when he did play, you know, when he scored the late. Equalizer at Reading, he did create a couple of other late goals as well, but he just never got a run in the team. And mm. so there's obviously more to it, which we we, we don't know about. <clears throat> Same as Pilkington. I mean, you look at Gary Medine this season. Um, could Pilkington have done better than Medine? Probably. He's a better footballer for a start. Yeah. Um, it's just it's, you look at the wages they're on and what they could bring to the team. Uh, Tomlin and Pilkington. Massive, massive waste of resource. You know, they, they're both on twenty thousand plus a week apparently. And you think you got Gary Medine in the twenty-five man squad, who off, who's offered very little. Um, other players who, who are questionable, and you have got those two guys who are just sort of not even playing reserve team football this season. And it's just a, it's a shame and a waste. I like I like both players. They they could have offered something. Even the Premiership, Tomlin. There's been games this season. You think. Could he make a difference here? He probably could, you know. We've been chasing a goal late on, we're trying to, trying to open up a defence. Those guys could have made a difference, in my opinion. Yeah, sometimes in those moments you need a, a flash of brilliance, don't you? And, and those two players have that, um, regardless of, you know, like I said, there's issues maybe with attitude and work rate, but they are technically very good players that could could have made a difference. Um, so interestingly, what happens in January with Pilkington and it's hard to see Medine staying for the rest of the season from, from a personal point of view for himself surely he can't be happy yeah. not playing and 
So it'd be interesting he if he linked, goes and, and uh, Gulston comes he, in. He, I think Madim was linked to Wigan yesterday because he's he's from up north and he saw. Yeah. I think I think it's best all round. I mean, the biggest issue with Medine is the price tag. If he if he was bought for a million pound, nobody would be talking about him. The fact we paid six billion pound on deadline day, you know, yeah. it's obviously a panic buy. Um, he wasn't good enough. I don't like I don't like all the social media, you know, the mocking of him and when he comes on, the, the fans singing or if Gary scores on the pitch. I'm not a fan of all that sort of thing. I always say get behind the players during the game. Because yeah. they're cottons, we knock straight away. Always get behind them. But yeah, it hasn't worked out. It's not gonna work out. So it's best for all parties if he does move on in January if somebody will if somebody will take him off us, you know. Yeah. Um Barry, thanks for this. One before you go, um just want to grab a score prediction from you for Saturday. Uh, I think there'll be goals. I think Manu will play with a lot more freedom. So I'm going to stick my neck out and go for a 2-2 draw. The same result as when we played them back in the Premiership last time. It's not a bad shout. Uh, I'm going to go for a, for a 1-0 City win, I think. I think that you know if we can really get at them and frustrate them and nick a goal... It'll be a, a good result and, and a famous Cardiff City victory. Um, but Barry, thanks very much for joining us. Where can people find you on Twitter? Uh, my Twitter handle is bmurphy1981. Perfect. Well, Barry, enjoy the game of Saturday and thanks for joining us. Well, thanks for your time. Cheers, Scott. As always, we're getting the view from the opposition today at View from the Ninian. Joining me today um, is Andrew Southwick. Andrew is a Man United fan and uh, YouTuber and uh, the Red Bearded Red. Andrew, how's it going? Man, Scott, I, I'm honestly, I'm just in shock right now, man. I can't believe that, like, I, I woke up, I slept for 12 hours because I'm not feeling great right now. I slept for 12 hours and I wake up to the news of Mourinho finally being sacked. And I honestly, I just can't believe that it's finally real. I mean, he used the word finally there. I'm guessing, uh, as a United fan, you know, I know a couple, and I know they've been dying for Mourinho to go for, you know, maybe even in the summer. You know, give us your take. Give us the, the perspective from a United fan of, of, of how it feels to, to see Mourinho go in. So, I mean, something that a lot of people won't expect to hear. So I've actually been Mourinho out since January of, of 2018. And reason being... Is so I have a friend that um, has a relatively large Twitter account, and he put out his dream Manchester United eleven, and it included players like Christian Pulisic and uh, Matt, Mathis De Lech, and uh, it just seeing the the lineup that he created, and knowing that Mourinho would never run out a lineup that consisted of the combination of youth and flair players that this lineup had, I was like. This is what Manchester United is supposed to be about. It's supposed to be about flair, about youth, about bringing through the right people. Uh, and basically, like, just what Manchester United is, is we're supposed to be the innovators of, of football. Like, it's what Sir Alex did for almost 30 years. And it's something that we haven't seen since Sir Alex left. I mean, obviously, we've gone through three pragmatic managers that have all just 
lowered the levels of the club. And then I honestly believe that Mourinho's greatest success at Manchester United was lowering the expectations <laughs> of Manchester United fans and making them believe that our squad isn't as good as what it actually is. I'm not saying that we have a squad filled with world-class players all up and down, but I honestly believe that our squad does have players in it that should be playing a lot better than they are, and it's something that Mourinho was not doing. Mourinho was not getting the best out of his players, and that, to me, says everything about what Mourinho's tenure was at Manchester United, that he was not getting the best out of his players and out of his most talented players during his time at Manchester United. I mean, one of the, the sort of baffling things as, as a non-Manchester United fan to hear you say there is that Mourinho has lowered the expectations, which if you'd said that uh, when he was appointed after having Van Gaal and, and David Moyes even as, as manager, that it's Mourinho that, that's lowered the expectation is crazy, right? Yeah, no, it, it is absolutely crazy to think about the fact that we managed to have our expectations lowered. And like, I'm sorry, but we're... We're Manchester United. Everybody knows us as one of the biggest clubs in the world and definitely the biggest club in England. And I'm sorry, but to try and say that we should be lowering our expectations from being title contenders, being Champions League contenders, to expecting to only get top four, that's that's not who Manchester United is and it's not who we should be about. We should be about trying to win everything across all competitions and I feel like that we haven't been like other than Mourinho's first year where we managed to win the Europa League which the Europa League and the League Cup I should say but in all reality as, as a Manchester United fan historically you would look at those two things and winning those two things and you'd be like okay yeah we cool we won those whatever but at the same time those are lesser trophies things that Manchester United shouldn't be winning we should be winning champions league trophies we should be winning league titles we should be winning fa cups uh consistently and it's just it's it's not what's happened under Mourinho. we'll, we'll, we'll come back to to Mourinho and, and and the state of the club at the moment but i just want to talk about manchester united and the impact that that they have as a club i mean we've been doing these preview podcasts this season and and this is the first time that we've spoken to to someone outside of the uk and i guess that that is testament to the size of, of Man United's fan base. And I mean, as Cardiff, in comparison, a relatively small club, and you'll struggle to find a Cardiff City fan outside of uh, the UK unless they're an expat that have moved, has moved abroad. So, I mean, talk to us about, about the, the community of Manchester United fans, you know, in America, all over the world, and the connection that, that you fans from, you know, um, in the States, for example, your your situation, the connection you feel with the club? So, I mean, honestly, that's a fantastic question, Scott. And so, honestly, I mean, I, I've, I've come to become the big Manchester United fan that I am because of the fact that the community that is created from Manchester United, both from, you know, locally, where we actually have a local supporters club. If you watch any of my videos, you'll actually see our Phoenix Red Devils flag that I've got in the background of all my videos. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like we, we've got a, we've got hundreds of people that are Manchester United fans here that will like not all of them come to all the get like all the bar games. Like we we go to a local pub that 
all everybody comes and watches the game. We've had upwards of 150, 200 people show up for those at times, depending on what match it is. And but but talking from a global standpoint, I mean, I've I've gotten the chance to meet two of my best friends in the world right now from Manchester United, from just getting the chance to talk to them. One of them's in Scotland, the other one's in uh, Bristol. Uh, yeah, Bristol. He's he's in Bristol, and like just knowing that like there's such a large community out there because of Manchester United, and that we, for the most part, I mean, don't get me wrong. There's there's times where our fan base can get toxic, and I've you've especially noticed it recently where you've had this heavy divide of uh, Mourinho in, Mourinho out people, and but at the same time, there's still this community of of people. That has been created, and honestly, like I, I, I don't know how very many people feel about them on your show, but I mean, I'm I've been a part of this YouTube channel, uh, the United Stand, for a couple years now, and I've gotten to know all these guys, and all of them have helped. Like honestly, like since I started watching when they had like sixty thousand subs, I've felt even even closer connection to the community because we've all had the chance to just talk about Manchester United, talk about what's going on at the club, and. It's something that you, you like. You were talking about with with a, with a team like Cardiff. I actually do know a couple of uh, Cardiff fans here locally. Now, like you said, they are they are transplants from the UK that came here, um, and but you don't you don't really get that with a lot of a lot of clubs. And with, like we've got our local team here, um, Phoenix Rising FC, that they're kind of starting to make some global headlines if you wanted to throw some quotes around that with uh, with Didier Drogba be, playing for our team and also being a part owner. But we we have a, a global community just here locally that support all the different Premier League clubs. And it's something that not a lot of people would probably know is that we actually do have some highly intelligent football fans here in the United States, which is something that not a lot of people would think. Like a lot of people think that American fans are all just, you know, ignorant and blah, blah, blah. But like, I, I know a lot of very high quality fans here in the States that they they are intelligent about their opinions. They, they know what the game looks like. And honestly, like it, I wouldn't just discount somebody's opinion just because of where they're from. No, 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 no of course not. And um, I guess, you know, we're talking about the impact and, and part of that and where the club, Man United, probably do deserve some credit is their sort of commercial operations and the fact that they've been able to tap into those global communities and, and make yeah. it the worldwide, you know, worldwide club that, that it is. But do you think that at, at times has, has overshadowed things on the pitch? And I know um, it's, is Ed Woodward is the director of football or the, the um, CEO or something like that? He's uh, he's the CEO, I think, is what it technically is. Like he's, I think that right now, if I understood correctly from rumors, we've been trying to get a director of football in, but apparently Mourinho wasn't willing to work with the director of football. Okay. Now, this is all speculation and rumors. I don't know if any of this is a fact, but with a guy like Ed Woodward, that like, listen, I, I don't think that Ed Woodward has been great for Manchester United by any means whatsoever. He's the one that hired the three managers that have come in since Sir Alex left. And but at the end of the day, the one thing you can give Edward a lot Edward would a lot of credit for is the fact that he is a good businessman. He's good at finding those commercial deals like you just mentioned. And the fact that we are able to 
build the brand of Manchester United. I mean, we've got a, 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 a main sponsor of Chevrolet that's, a, that's an American brand that is on our shirts. We've got uh, the, one, the largest paint company in the world is our sleeve sponsor. You know, you just go down the list of all the sponsors that Manchester United have, and that's the sign of a, of a good businessman. But it's not saying that we also have the most intelligent footballing man in like with that's in charge of the the transfer policies at Manchester United at the moment, and that's where I believe a director of football would come in handy at the moment. Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of Cardiff fans uh, listening now can certainly sympathise with that, and it's a situation, obviously on a smaller scale, but that we found ourselves in a few years ago when Vincent Tan is is obviously a, a brilliant businessman. Um, and infamously turned our shirts from from blue to red. Um, from a, a business point of view, his his objective was to make the club more attractive globally. His argument was red is a um, more successful or more popular color in Asia, and it would appeal to the Asian audience. Um, mm. And you know that that certainly caused um, unrest and sort of turmoil and a broken relationship between the club and its fans. And it's only since. Uh, Neil Warnock's come in that, and he successfully sort of managed the club on the pitch, the team, but he's also managed the fans and upwards and, and managed sort of the club and, and Vince Tan and, and the sort of board of, of non-football people, so to speak. Um, yeah. With with Woodward, and like I said, he, he's made those three appointments that haven't gone to plan, shall we say. There's obviously the excitement now that Mourinho's gone, that, that there's relief amongst the fan base, but how much does it worry you that United aren't going to get that next appointment right. It's so important that they do get it right. Honestly, once again, fantastic question. And just my biggest fear is that, you know, we're going to hire another defensive pragmatic manager. When you look at where the modern game is going and you look at the fact that the, the like even lesser teams are going at clubs like you're they're they're pressing the ball they're they're going at a team from minute one to minute 90 and you're watching teams i mean a great example of this is a team like bournemouth that with with eddie howe as their manager has took took them from a league two side all the way up to a mid-table premier league side right now and you, you you watch the style of play that he has and it's it's part of this new mentality of like you need to get at a team, you need to press them on the ball, you need, you can't let them have the time to dwell on it, and it's something that when you're watching the way that Mourinho was doing things, you watched a very pragmatic style, and it's just it it, it, it it's where it blows my mind that I, I was of, of the opinion that you either needed in the off season to completely back Mourinho and give him everything that he wanted give him the, the CDM, give him the winger, do whatever he wanted, or you needed to fire him and bring in the next guy. So Speak. I just – I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, no. Go, go on. Finish. You finish what you're saying. Well, so I was just, just going to say, like, so with, with that in mind, with the fact that, you know, we've got the, the – the, there's, there's still, no matter what, there's the renewed optimism of – bringing in a new manager. Yes, no matter who the new manager is, it's going to be a risk. But at the end of the day, as long as I, this is just my opinion, I think there's a lot of United fans that would agree with me that when I say what we want for our next manager is somebody that is going to bring an attacking mindset, somebody that's going to bring through the youth. We've got players like Mason Greenwood, Heath Chong, Angel Gomez, uh, Adama Traore. Like we've got 
I'm sorry, it's not Adama. It's uh, Alutra. I don't even know how to say his first name. I apologize. <laughs> <laughs> like, I, I'm being American. I don't know how to pronounce everything. But uh, just honestly, we've, we've got so many great youth talents down in our U23 squad. And under Mourinho, you knew they were never going to get a chance. So I'm, in one sense, optimistic about what is going to come because I believe that the next manager will bring through players like Mason Greenwood that scored a hat-trick yesterday in the Youth Cup against Chelsea. A a guy like Tahith Chong that has been killing it on on, on the U23 scene, the U21 scene, the U18 scene. They've been doing everything right. And I can't wait to see what our youth talent that we have will do when they are actually brought into the side. You obviously talk about that, that that's what you want from a manager in your um, point of view or necessarily um, amongst the fans in general. Who do you think that man is? The, the one guy that, and you'll, you'll see it from a lot of people, I honestly believe the next manager should be Mauricio Pochettino. Mauricio Pochettino checks all the boxes of what a Manchester United manager should be. And he is... He has the right mindset as a manager. He's He's got good man management. He's able to make all the players feel like they're important. He brings through youth. He's able to get the best out of his players. He also brings an attacking style of football. Because here's the thing, and I think that a lot of people will agree with this. Attacking football doesn't mean having 60-70% possession. It means being able to transition from defense to midfield to attack quickly and with precision Mm -hmm. that is what attacking football is it's not about being able to hold on to the ball more than somebody else it's about knowing how to get from defense to attack with with speed and precision and that's something that we've been missing at manchester united during Mourinho's entire tenure as a manager and if if pochettino or um you know someone like zidane or who's been mentioned um, do come in. It's looking like it's likely to be at the end of the season, isn't it? And, and a temporary manager will take charge for the rest of the year. Yes, that's that's what the rumors are that I'm seeing. Is that we're going to do a worldwide search of who we want to be the next manager. And what I will say is that so uh, Pochettino did have an opportunity today in his uh, press conference to kind of quell any rumors that he wasn't interested in the job here at Manchester United, and he did not do anything to do that. In fact, his, his comments basically were saying that, you know, he he is he's a Tottenham manager for now, and uh, he's not going to discuss any rumours. The problem, I guess, you have with, with Pochettino and all the, the top sort of uh, quality coaches in the world is that Real Madrid at the same time will be will be looking for a manager. Um, but on, on, on waiting until the end of the season... Do you think that's the club almost writing off the rest of this year? I don't think so. I think that by not getting rid of Mourinho earlier that we kind of wrote off the year already. Like, if you were looking to try and catch top four, you should have done that after you were losing God knows how many games and not or drawing how many games right at the beginning of the year. And... You know, we, we should have done this so much sooner. But you look at what's going on now, and I think that what the goal is now is to kind of have somebody that's going to come in, just steady the ship, get our best players, get our Pogba's, Martial's, uh, Rashford's, um, get, get them back to playing their best, and 
making sure that they're that they are happy so that way that they will want to stay going forward one of the names that has been mentioned um, as that caretaker manager um, much to the amusement should we say of Cardiff City fans is Oligan Solskjaer um, who obviously famously took Cardiff City down from the Premier League in 2014 I think it was I mean what's your view on that would you be happy with Solskjaer to the end of the season so I mean, here's the thing. Ultimately, I think that he does get what Manchester United is supposed to be about, obviously. I mean, he won the treble with us. And I would be happy to see him come in, especially with... Uh, I think it's Phelan. It's rumored to come in with him. Okay. Um, which, that that to me sounds interesting. But with him being an only an interim manager, I'm kind of like, you know what? As long as it's all... Like, I just... I want our next full-time manager whoever it is i we need to get that correct we need to get it right and if it means that we've got to put somebody else in charge somebody like uh so somebody like ollie that it's just gonna come in and he, he had those quotes back in august saying that he would make paul pogba the focal point of a team that he was managing like that's what should have been going on from the start is making Paul Pogba the the focal point of the team with the amount of talent that he has. And it's just not been happening. So it will be interesting to see who will be the interim because the rumor is right now that it's either going to be him or it's going to be Michael Carrick. Now, I did hear that apparently Carrick has, in a sense, like like, denied wanting to be the the interim manager because he feels like it's too big of a job for him at this stage in his career, which I don't necessarily fault him for. You know, I, but I, there's also I've heard rumors about it being Laurent Blanc that's going to be the the interim manager. There's there's tons of rumors out there, and it'll be interesting to see who will be next up. Obviously, with, with Mourinho uh, going today, it's hard for us to to analyze you know the game on Saturday and, and what's gone on on the pitch um, because we we have no idea how United are going to going to line up on on Saturday or how they're going to play. Um, Two two part question, I suppose. First part: What has been the biggest problem on the field for United this season? Secondly, how do you expect the players to react to to Mourinho sacking on the pitch? So I I will say this: It's been funny to see some of the things that some of the Manchester United players have liked, um, like Anthony Martial liking the Bleacher Report video of uh, the the champions. Uh, I don't know if you saw that or not. Um, I didn't know. If uh, I retweeted it, so if you if you get the chance to see it, it is, the video is pretty funny. Um, but I do think that the biggest problem that existed during Mourinho's tenure was the fact that you didn't know what the playing style was from match to match. You didn't know what we were going to be doing from match to match, and it's almost like Mourinho was only was game planning for each opponent rather than doing what Liverpool does, what Manchester City does, and you have a style, and you go out there and you run your style and you tell the other team, hey, stop us from doing what we're going to do. And that, to me, is where the biggest problem came in under Mourinho, was the fact that we didn't know what we were going to get from match to match to match, because ultimately I think that he didn't know what he was going to do from match to match to match. I think that he just was honestly lost at times 
at Manchester United. And I don't know if it's because of the players that he had. Because um, I, I don't deny the fact that this team and the players that we have weren't all Mourinho-style players. Mourinho needs players like like Nemanja Matic, like uh, Marouane Fellaini, like Romelu Lukaku that are going to run through brick walls for him. And ultimately, he fell out with so many players at the club that he ran out of players that were going to do that for him. So I do think it will be interesting to see because, like you said, we don't know what we're going to get going into this match. I mean, typically, when you have a manager that is sacked and you have a new manager that's coming in for a game, typically the team responds in a very positive way. Um, Just it's typical. doesn't mean it's going to happen. But at the end of the day, as long as this next manager brings back a mentality of let's get at a team, let's actually – press a team something that we didn't see under Mourinho was pressing of the ball up high and trying to go after them and bringing back some energy and some excitement that's all I'm going to care about the worry I suppose from a Cardiff point of view is that the likes of Pogba and um, Martial maybe Rashford that have perhaps been put down by Mourinho and have felt restricted suddenly the, the shackles come off and they they show against Cardiff. You know, this is the the type of player that I am. This is what I can do, and uh, um, sort of we feel feel the back end of that. Despite that, in in earlier on in the podcast, I did go for a uh, a one nil Cardiff win as my score prediction. And Andrew, I'm interested to hear what your score prediction would be. Because I don't know who the next manager is going to be, I would probably go with a two to one win for Manchester United. Um, I think it will depend on who the next manager will be. Now, if it was Mourinho, funny enough, I would probably be predicting a one-one, a draw, because I I didn't I don't have any faith in Mourinho to do the right thing. But with Mourinho being gone, I think it will be inter- interesting to see what is run out there, what the lineup will be. Like you said, are we going to see the shackles let go, let off of Paul Pogba, off of Anthony Martial, off of Marcus Rashford? Are we going to see Alexis Sanchez c- come back into the side? Are, are we going to finally see? Nemanja Matic dropped from the side who's been having stinkers of performances all season and has not been dropped. Are we, like, are we finally going to see some of these things that should have been happening under this new manager? What are we going to get? And I think it will be interesting to see, and I'll be interested to talk to you after this match, because we don't know what we're going to get. We just don't know. And I guess from, from Neil Warnock's perspective, that's so hard to to drill his team and, and practice in the week about you know what you're going to face because you could practice facing a four four two but suddenly the new manager lines up in a five three two you know it's it's so hard to to prepare but um, it'll certainly be an interesting game and I think all it's on telly over here in, in the UK and all eyes will be be on the Cardiff City Stadium on Saturday but Andrew thank you very much for joining us um, if people wanted to find you online on, on Twitter on YouTube where can they find you? So Twitter and Facebook, I'm at RedBeardedRed. Um, and then if you want to find me on YouTube, I'm the Red Bearded Red on YouTube. Um, love having guests on. Uh, be happy to have you on on my show, my friend. Um, and genuinely, thank you for having me on today. Perfect. No, we'll have to do it again. And, and thanks again for joining us. Yeah, thank you, Scott. I appreciate it. Thank you for listening to View from the Ninian. With four fans, by fans. You can catch more content like this at viewfromtheninian.com. 
and let us know what you think. We're on Facebook and on Twitter. Come on, City!